Okay, welcome Simon to No Excuses Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. So this is episode 24. So big numbers now. So for those viewers who don't know Simon, Simon runs Walking Football. So Simon, could you give a wee intro of who you are and what you do? I'll do that in a minute, Scott. I just want to pull you up for me being 24th on your list. Don't understand <laughs> that. <laughs> Apologies. That must be some 23 that you got before me anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm Simon McLean. Uh, I'm not sure where it starts, Scott, because I wear so many hats. Right, okay. Even within walking football, which we'll come to later, I wear three different hats because I run the Pollock Walking Football Group over at... Uh, at Nethercrates yep. on a Monday. I'm all, I also work for Glasgow Club as a coach with walking right. football. So I work at Palace of Art, Scotstown, all over the place. And I'm also a trustee, I'm not a trustee, I'm a, the West of Scotland representative for walking football Scotland. Right, okay. So it's hard, all these hats. I'm trying yeah. to remember what hat to put on in the morning. And sometimes nah. they all clash. Nah. But I suppose, I suppose prior to that, um, I was a policeman. I retired uh, a number of years ago. I was in the series Time Squad. I worked undercover. So that's another part of my life that yeah. uh, I've written a book about. Right, okay. called, obviously, it's called I'm The 10%. You not read it? No, not yet. What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get one to you. <laughs> and it's basically a memoir of my time in the police, or my first right. 16 years in the police, uh, which is a bit light-hearted and good fun. And it's on Ringwood Publishing, available <laughs> all good bookstores. <laughs> um, so I was a private investigator after that, which might be my second book. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still writing that? <laughs> it's, it's in here somewhere. Aye. Is it? And I suppose... Um, We've started a podcast about the walking football as well. But I suppose currently, and most topically and most seriously, I'm a, I founded LEAP Scotland. LEAP is L-E-A-P, and it's a law enforcement action partnership. Now, because of the book, I did a, a YouTube thing with a guy, Sean Atwood, down in Liverpool. He's got a, a YouTube channel. And it's about crime, true crime. And it was four hours. It was meant to be an hour, and it ended up four hours. I was just plugging my book, but we had such a laugh. But yeah, he yeah. made me aware that, uh, that there was an organisation out there who believed that prohibition of drugs was the problem rather than part of the solution. And I had intuitively known this all along in my police career, which, believe me, was focused on drugs, a large part of it. Yeah. But yeah. we were wasting our time. Every time we did something positive from our perspective, i.e. catch a drug dealer or make a seizure, we actually made the problem worse, and that's still the case today. Yeah. It's not my belief, that's a fact. Yeah. Because the more we create organised crime and the more we chase them and lock some of them up, the more the market uh, thrives. Yes. <laughs> so especially with COP26 coming on just now, I'm very busy. I'm going to be doing some interviews this week about uh, Leap's position as far as uh, COP26 is concerned. And brief, In one sentence, we believe that the decision makers aren't coming. It's only politicians from all over the world that are coming. Right. The decision makers are the cartels and drug lords who actually control the markets in these countries and the yeah. deforestation and the waste products and, and all the climate harm that gets done. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. to do with politicians. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another topic for another time, maybe. 
No, we'll, we'll definitely we'll get you on again. We'll get a couple of parts to this. We'll see. We'll see. So we're here today, Simon, to find about find out your fitness journey. So we're gonna go way back to your school years. Oh for goodness. <laughs> so what kind of sporting activities were you involved in back then? Everything. I've always been into sport of any description. I can listen to sport. I can just listen, or I say listen because it's on the radio a lot of the time now in the car, yeah. and I find it just as good listening to golf or listening to anything <laughs> on the radio. It's great because it's its own excitement on the radio when your imagination's yeah. working. Um, but from a wee boy, the, the problem was that from, I think before I could walk, but certainly as soon as I could walk, I had a ball attached to my feet, football attached right. to my feet. Okay. I was just football daft. That's what my mommy would have said. That aye. boy's football daft. And, and if you ever get around to reading my book, you would have known that. Aye. <laughs> and and so when you we had a bad garden, and I lived in Porcel in Glasgow, and right. uh, I was just in the garden playing football. I had a big brother, and he was five, nearly six years older than me, but I used to beat him at everything because I was competitive and he wasn't. <laughs> And, and when you were growing up, Simon, um, did you play for any teams, local teams? Yeah, I played at, I played at everything. See if you could... I remember, for example, I remember my mate in first year, Stan, saying to me, do you want a game for the cricket team? And I said, don't be so stupid, cricket. Who plays <laughs> cricket? And he said, you get a half day off school. And I said, I'm in. What position am I playing? <laughs> and I ended up going and playing cricket. And what I discovered, what, have you ever played cricket, Scott? No, I've never. No. What I discovered was it's a really, really physical, tough sport. You know, that ball's fair shifting. Aye. And, and even to catch it or get in the way of it or try and bat it away or bowl Aye. it or, or run up and bowl it. It's a very, very physical game that we don't really... In Scotland, we don't really get it, I don't think. Although we're doing no bad now, we're in the aye, World Cup. Aye, final aye, stage. Aye, so we're, we're doing well, you know, as a team. So I remember coming off the football part on a, Sunday, a Saturday morning for the school, for Hindland School at Scotston when it was all grass. And our game was off because it was waterlogged. Yeah. And I was nearly in tears because it was a big deal in those days when you were 12 or whatever. And my mate, Stan, again, was coming in the corridor with the rugby team. He was captain of the rugby team as well. And they only had 14. And he said, come on, play for the, the rugby team, change your top. I said, I can't play. I no, had no idea what he was talking about. Aye. I ended up on the park. And they put me at fullback, Scott. And I just said, you know what I mean? It's the number 15 that stands at the back, right? Yeah, yeah. Tidies up. Sweeper, I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> And he told me, if the ball comes, just catch it and boot it up the park, right? Simple enough, you would imagine. <laughs> well, I remember frozen, freezing, standing in a puddle, probably. And the ball came out of the sky from miles away. And I caught it. And then all I saw was these guys running towards me. Bears. Oh, really angry about something. <laughs> and I realised it was the ball they were after. So I just threw it out of the park. I forgot all about it. Oh, I guess your teammates weren't too happy with you then. Oh, I was making up the numbers, but they moved me. They moved me about the park till they found me. I ended up at number eight. Do you know where that is? That's the guy at the back of the scum that kind of hangs on to everybody and just follows them about. <laughs> out the road. And they're out the road. <laughs> 
So, so any sport, any sport, any, I'd any sport. anything to compete at, tiddly winks, you and I, it's a World Cup to me, you know. <laughs> okay, so did you have any challenges growing up? I'm left-handed at golf, that was a real challenge. left-handed at golf, right, okay. And I got the yips, I got the yips when I was about 16, which is still a problem to this day. I still, Aye. see when I go up to a putt now, and I only, I don't play golf anymore, but we go to the putting green, uh, my partner and I, I'm left-handed, but I'll putt left or right, I don't know which I'm going to putt left or right-handed until I'm over the ball. Ah, right. It tricks my brain, my brain, my brain can't figure that out until I decide at the last second. And I've managed to just about control those yips on the putting green at Queen's Park with nothing at stake. Imagine what I'd be like if I was playing for a fiver or something. <laughs> <laughs> a fiver? <laughs> Only for a pound. Okay, a pound. <laughs> I was being a big shot there. <laughs> I was trying um, to keep up with that Tommy Sheridan. <laughs> oh, he doesn't play golf. <laughs> That's not a sport. Okay. So growing up, who was your who was your role model or who inspired you? Do you know I met one of my heroes yesterday? My right. football hero, football sporting heroes from my uh, early years. I need to tell you how this came up. I lived in Postle Park and I went to a Catholic school for the first couple of years of my primary school. Right. And then my mum married a, a prodi. Right. So I had to change school. So instead of shouting at the prodies as they went past below St. Teresa's, I had to start shouting up at them with my pals going to Kip a Kill. It's all very confusing. That's why I ended up a Jags fan. That's what I'm trying to explain. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kept on with both crowds. But my hero was Alan Ruff. Ah, right, okay. What a goalkeeper he was. This was in his heyday, of course, when I would yeah. be about 11 or 12, when we won 50 years ago, two days ago. On the 23rd. That's, that's right. We won the League Cup. 4-1. Sorry? 4-1 against Celtic. 4-1. Do you know it was 4-0 at half time? And yes. we were all saying to each other on the terrace, and I hope we can hold out. Am I right in saying that it was a 4-0 after 37 minutes? You're absolutely right. And but at half time, we're all saying, I'm not living probably, we're saying, I hope we can hang on here, because this is the Lisbon Lions, basically, that we're playing. <laughs> But yesterday I met Alan Ruff. I wish I'd I wish I'd thought I would have had the photo. I took a set. I got a guy to take a photo of me with him yesterday. Ah, fantastic! And uh, I was telling him that story as well. But he said, Simon, we were in the changing room at halftime, saying, "I hope we can hang on." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So that's a real childhood memory. But it, it, sport just. Uh, I've got a thing in, on YouTube on my phone that I sent to all the walking footballers the other day, and it's it's called When Children Meet Their Sporting Heroes. And it's all footballers, but it's wee kiddies of five, six, seven, eight, nine, meeting Ronaldo or or whoever. And they're just absolutely overcome by the, the occasion, yeah. you know, crying, mercy, mercy. They can't believe that these people are real. Very, very powerful sport. No, sport is very, very powerful, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so you've obviously you've been involved with sport and you know football, fitness a long time. So, have you ever did you ever used to go to the gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you asked me about some a life changing experience with football. I got injured when I was seventeen. Right. I worked for Yarrow Shipyard, 
Okay. So now I'm trying to say attrition, and I get I get injured badly playing football for them, which I should never have been playing at that age because I had no, I had no experience at that level of football. I had no coaching. I had no nothing, and I got injured badly, and that that's why I ended up joining the police because right, of the okay. injury and being off work and just you know the the, the sliding doors thing. Yeah, yeah. Fun. All these wee circumstances, I ended up passing Pitt Street one day and wandered in out of curiosity. So that was a real traumatic experience when I was 17. That changed the whole course of my life. Completely. Yeah. Thankfully. So, so for yourself, Simon, what does fitness mean to you? Well, there's lots of types of fitness, isn't there? Yeah, so obviously, you know, obviously, you've been around... Physical, fit, physical fitness. Yeah, so obviously, yeah. You, you've been yeah. around... Um, for many years, you know, different eras, you know, so... Pretty <laughs> Well, the biggest all. thing is so, it's something we take for so, granted. Totally so think, take for granted. So I think it, for, you know, I was speaking to a few people and they say it changes every five, ten years for, for you personally. Yeah. yeah, I'd say five years is quite good. I'll give you a wee example. I was taking my shoes off. We did the shopping this morning and I was taking my shoes off when we came in. Right. Like a good boy would do, putting them away. <laughs> and I don't know if I can explain this verbally, but you know how you take, you stand in and you undo your laces and you use your right foot to wedge yeah, your yeah. shoe off your left shoe and then vice versa, your left foot slips your right shoe off. Yes. Can he do that when you're 62 or when you're me anyway? You've got to actually hold on to something. <laughs> now, you watch kids do that, they do it while they're running. You know, they're running and they're taking their shoes off with their feet as they go. Aye. So, those types of wee things, the dexterity and going up and down stairs and all the, even crossing the road, Scott, right? You know what Aye. kids like crossing the road? They're weaving across the road, right? Aye. They can weave through the cars because they're judging everything as they yeah. go. When you get to a certain age, you need to think, well, if I slip there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or just misjudge the car that's because we I used to let cars pass within millimeters of me at Aye. 30 mile an hour while I'm pro you know, you don't think about it, you just oh. go jumping on buses, things like that. Uh, we sprints to get here or there or the next place. So all of that changes, and you're right, it changes in, in segments of yeah. your life. But you could make it broader than that. You could say in your first 10 years, you're pr pretty much becoming physical. You're learning coordination. Yeah. You're learning skills. Your teenage years, you're starting to learn how to abuse your body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you go one way or the other, don't you, really? Right. You're learning how to use alcohol. People start smoking. Women become an issue and all that. kind. You're starting yeah. to become self-conscious as well. Yeah. But then in your 20s, you're starting to make money. You're starting to look for ways to make money, your job, career, focus. And I think we sacrifice our health during that next 20 oh, years. Totally. And it's only when you get into your 40s, some people, maybe their 50s, if they've kept reasonably fit, that you start that sense of mortality uh, comes in. Aye. And you start to... Your sleep patterns change, you sleep less, your weight becomes a problem. I was always skinny. Weight was never an issue for me until yeah. I stopped playing football and refereeing and whatnot, when maybe 40. Right, and okay. it just appears, and it's really hard to shift once you, yeah. once you get to a certain point. Um, and all of that, uh, and even the, 
the bit I've not touched on yet is the mental dexterity as well, because that's the hardest one for you to judge. Yes. You know what I mean? So, but my partner's just walked in the room, so she'd have plenty to say about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> for yourself, how did how did you cope um, with COVID? You know, the COVID lockdown. How did you? I wrote a book. You wrote a book. Okay. That's I had been, I had been, I, I had started the book. I tell you what happened. I, I did a forward for a book for a friend of mine who's passed away now, Magnus, and the publisher called me. Uh, after he died to see if we could put the book together if there was enough of it to, to finish it and it, sadly there wasn't but I met the publisher and uh, he was an ex-social worker and we were swapping stories again we were meant to meet for half an hour and it turned into a three-hour meeting <laughs> and I told him some stories and he said you should write these down Simon because they're good and people say that to you all the time Scott you know oh you should write that down big man because they're funny and they're, yeah. they're from a time that's funny you know in the 70s and 80s uh, so I did, he said, write down a few and send them to me and I'll tell you if they're any good or not. Because they can give you a ghostwriter. If you can't write, they'll give you an intern, a student. Right, okay. They'll sit with you and write it while you tell the stories. But we didn't need to do that. I wrote a few stories. He said, they're really good. Keep going. Give me more. And I had no idea about a book at the time. And that's about four years ago, honestly, maybe five. Because it lay... It's very hard because I made a mistake of showing it to my brother, my big brother, and he kind of marked it like a professor would mark it, you know. My son told me I was an old fart because I was talking about Neds and stuff, all non-politically correct, yeah, you know yes. what I mean? He picked Aye. up all of that. Dad, for God's sake. Yeah, I sent it to my sister in Australia, and she never even responded. So you can see how easy it is to get discouraged. Aye, aye. So I had done maybe a quarter of it, but I didn't, it wasn't a start and a finish or anything. It was just stories. Right. But during lockdown, as you know, uh, you had to get creative to fill yep. your time. And apart from walking for an hour a day, that was about it. So I picked up the, the computer and sat down and that was me. I finished the book within a couple of months. No, nah, fantastic. So and then it becomes a publishing and editing and then yep. marketing. And so that killed a whole year for me, really. No, nah, good. So... What's the name of your book and where can people find it? It's called The 10%. Right. The number 10. And that basically refers to the fact that my rough theory is that there's about 10% of the police force who actually do any work. <laughs> <laughs> who actually are proactive in going right. out and yeah. trying to capture baddies. Yeah. There's about 80% who just do what they're told. And, and that's great because we need yeah, them. Yeah. That's for sure. And there's about 10% that I don't talk about who are behind a desk, most of them okay. telling everybody else what to do. So it's that that first 10% that I, yeah. I was trying forward and CID and plain clothes and all that. And uh, that's the 10% that I focus on. So, and it's Ringwood Publishing. It's on Amazon and all it's that. It's on so. Amazon. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And no, it's good. No, and it's done really well. It's done really I'm a bestseller in Isla. Wow. So how many, do you know how many copies you've sold in Isla? In Isla, I think 50-odd. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That's quite a substantial proportion of the population. <laughs> you see, no, you don't tell many among your pals because they buy one and share it. Ah, that, that, that's a good point, <laughs> aren't I? But there's, yeah. a story, there's a few stories about Isla when I was a young cop and a young detective getting sent over there, you know. Ah, right. Okay. And it's Campbelltown. The first part of it, I was based in Campbelltown in Argyle. So it's oh, kind of... And I've still got lots of friends down there. My daughter lived there. 
I've got a met my first wife and all that. So I've got lots of connections in the weekend. Ah, good. Just and back then, for the weekend. Aye. And then, so for yourself, how, you know, obviously you mentioned walking football. So how did that come about? Oh, I had a heart attack. Right, okay. See, I need to get my head. We're rambling a wee bit. I'm rambling a wee bit here, Scott. I must apologise. The fitness oh, thing, that. that's the important thing, especially, oh, no, from, so good. Um, especially from a walking football perspective. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the main thing. Now, when you get to a certain age, you need to keep active. You, not active, you need to keep moving. Yeah. Because I think the lack of movement it just is just a spiral. Yeah. If you sat in a chair, you'd be going down the spiral. Night after night after night. Definitely. And then, and then you can't move. My son said a thing to me when I started walking football. Uh, does that mean you don't run? Because if you'd only walk, what's the next step? You know what I mean? I can see I where he's coming from. He's in his 30s and he goes out jogging and whatnot. Yeah. So you need to keep mobile for as long as possible. But then the issues become your knees and your hips and your ankles and yeah there's not one person plays walking football that hasn't said to me oh my knees this morning and and i need to explain to them that that's part of the process of keeping moving yeah. no pain no gain um he needs to quite, manage that it's quite funny because um obviously i work at scotston i work in the gym at scotston all right so we've probably you know crossed each other's paths you know yes on the way in the car path and stuff yeah. One of the uh, customers, Kenny, um, he's, he actually just started walking football last week right. um, at Scottsdale. Right. Um, I was we, there. We were chatting about it, and he says, we were chatting about it last night, actually, um, box because he comes to the, the boxing class too, and he says, I, I was trying to, you know, pass on that, that first touch, he says, but we're, we're allowed uh, a maximum of three touches. Yeah. He says, but he's just trying to get his head around that now. Yeah, quite tricky. It's quite hard. Aye, but no, he says he fairly enjoyed it, apart from the three days of agony after. Yeah, yeah. Um, because people come along, and they played football 20 years ago or whatever, and they come along and they see it. And they, at first, the first thing you get across is the walking football gears, peace break, man. Because they associate walking and football, the two things just don't go together. Yeah. Alan Ruff yesterday said to me, that's nothing like walking, big man. That's not what I expected. Because it's very intense, really. And that was competitive yesterday. So it is. I was at Scottsdale last Thursday. We were outdoors last Thursday. Yeah. And it was, it was quite fast, a lot of it. See, you forget that we started off hoping to get people moving. And it's worked. And not so good. Okay, oh, and what we've now evolved that we've got three tiers of walking football, Scott. Ah, right, okay. So, yesterday was the over 50s, so these are not old guys, <laughs> and they're a lot of them are ex junior players or whatever. They've played yeah. football, they've looked after themselves, they're still fit as a fiddle. So, keeping them within the boundaries of walking football is the hard part because it's very intense and yeah. every tackle's contested. The game's finished one nil, one each, two one. It's 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 hard going, and in, in that style of football, it's almost the, the ball's never out of play. You're on the move all the time. Yeah. In eleven aside, you can get a rest. You can't get a rest in walking football because you're moving all the time. Aye, that's you've only got three touches. Aye, well, that's what Kenny said. He says 
was he was quite happy that he lasted the uh, sixty minutes, um, and he never went in goals once. That's <laughs> <laughs> obsessed. He's done well, but he'll suffer for that. I know him. <laughs> Uh, you've got to manage it. Most of us learn how to manage it. So that's the over 50s. Next month, we've got the over 60s tournament. And we had an over 70s cup about six right. weeks ago over at the Emirates, which was right. tremendous. And we've also now got a low-intensity festival in December that we're putting together. Ah, right. Fantastic. This is for people who, who normally wouldn't get a game in an organised game of football. They've maybe got their carer with them. We've got yeah. a Parkinson's session that was started yeah. now. We're starting an Alzheimer's session on the 15th of November. So you can see the scope. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely growing, you know. Because the health benefits are the health benefits. Just yes. being out moving. I think and then the second part of that is the friends and people that you meet along the way. I think especially, Simon, the, it's the mental health benefits to, totally. you know, totally. being outdoors, right? Sometimes you may have to move indoors depending on the weather. Um, but being outdoors, the fresh air and the social aspect and playing football, it yeah. all combines into one. You've got a, a player, Alec, who uh, is 80, nearly 81 now. And he said to me, ah, this is maybe a month or so ago now, he said, Simon, this is, walking football is the only time I speak to anyone apart from the checkout super, supermarket at checkout in a week. Wow. So that tells you everything, doesn't it? Yeah. He's believed his wife died maybe three years ago, and walking football has been a lifeline for reality oh, because definitely. of the friends that he's made. And I know that he couldn't cook. He used to come in and say, "What is it you do to make soup again?" And because of walking football, he was tapped into a network of guys who, right. between them, have got the expertise at their fingertips for nearly anything because of our right. age. So, and we now have the community hub over at Pollock, and that's been the biggest boon because. Yeah. Every walking football session, we used to have tea and biscuits afterwards if there was facilities yeah. for it. And that was that was a big part of it. But at Pollock, we've got a thing called the Community Hub. Right. And we've now got guys going to yoga in there. We've now got guys, uh, I do my podcasting in there. Uh, we had our presentation in there. So they're becoming part of the community. We now have a, a football memory session. Sorry, Sporting Memory Scotland, right. it's called. Every Monday at two o'clock. And we're now tapping into the local uh, homes round about us, elderly people in the homes, to come and join our memory session. And people just bring memorabilia. Last week it was Stud Lanark, the guy brought all ah, the information right. about And it's fascinating. And it triggers stories all over yeah, the place. totally. It's really, I mean, you talk about mental health. This is, uh, this is finely tuned. The only thing better than sport is music, apparently, for triggering things in your, yeah. your memory. So we've got all that going on. Aye, so that's because, because of a ball on the park. Nah, and it's nothing to do with the football, ultimately. It's the nah. friends you make and the associations that you make. Yeah. So if people wanted to find you, you know, online, Simon, where, mm -hmm. where could they find out information for these yep. sessions? Glasgow Club is the biggest in the west of Scotland. Uh, yeah. It's part of uh, Glasgow Club. It's Bella Houston, Palace of Arts, Scotston, that you know. You know Glasgow Club, if yeah, you want. Yeah. So and there's an app and it's got all the sessions on it under walking football and there's, there's evening sessions at Tory Glen. I'm doing one tonight at the Palace of Arts um, at six o'clock. So there's probably I would guess there's about eight to ten sessions on a week now. Um, 
uh, all over the city. Oh, and it's only going to get bigger. We, we had our first women's festival two I've weeks seen ago. That. Seen that, at Raven's yes. Creek. Fantastic. So women's walking football is now becoming a thing too. Yeah, you had big numbers there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very big numbers. It's, and it's not because of the football. The football's the catalyst. It's because of the... You're a, you're a sportsman, Scott. I am, yeah. Did you play in team sport? Uh, briefly. Okay, what sport? What sport? Football. Right. So you've been in a changing room. Aye. So you know the dynamics of team sports, the changing room, the locker room, whatever they call it, the afterwards, the, the post-mortem, uh, the WhatsApp groups that all these teams are on. Yeah. There's something special going on in teams that Aye, we're, we're so. designed as human beings to be part of teams and everything that we do. Most of us. Yes, <laughs> most of us, aye. And there's things we gain from it that we don't even know we're gaining. Oh, exactly, Simon. Um, but it's been great having you on this morning, learning about walking football. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've learned quite a lot that I didn't know about walking football because I only thought there was only maybe one or two sessions on um, in Glasgow. But now I know there's a variety of different sessions. And that's just Glasgow Club. Yes. Because we've now got private clubs cropping up, like Gifnock. Uh, soccer centre started walking football for women as well, and it's exactly. massive. It's a Sunday morning, yeah. so they're springing up all over the country. All over. Oh. I've got a friend who's just back from Spain, and he was playing walking football in Spain as well. Oh, brilliant! I, I probably would go and say it's a wee bit uh, more, you know, difficult to play in Spain because of the weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, because of the heat. Um, so you mentioned a couple of tournaments um, that are coming up. Um, do you know the dates of those tournaments? Yes, the Alzheimer's tournament at the Emirates. It's not a tournament, it's a festival. It's really yeah, yeah. a festival. It's on the 15th of November. Right. The over-60s tournament, which is competitive, it's a cup. It's a Glasgow Cup, but it's right, teams okay. 20 teams from all over Scotland. Yesterday, we had teams from Arbroath, Ayr, uh, Stenhouse Muir, yeah. and Lithgow. So it's teams from all over the country uh, coming to uh, Hearts were there, Motherwell, Kilmarnock. Uh, and the team that won it was a Glasgow team called St Ants. We've just created them. That's the ah, session that we tonight okay. at six o'clock at St Anthony's. Ah, uh, good. That was their first tournament yesterday and they won the over 50s. Pollock, my team won the over 65s uh, league. Uh, we won that two or three weeks ago. And we've got the over-60s on the 29th of November. That's at Tory Glen. And then we've got the 13th. The one I'm looking forward to is the 13th of December is the festival, the low-intensity festival at Raven at, at, at Tory Glen. Ah, which is the, which, and we're, we're still to discuss it. We've got a meeting this week about it. But I think we're going to make it, Scott, the, the goals don't count. Ah, right. They score goals, but they don't matter. No, the winning team are the teams that try the hardest, that help each other, that yeah. they're involved in the spirit. And if it, if there's a draw, we'll go to penalties because these guys right. will never get a chance to go to penalties in their life, you know? <laughs> no, great. Um, and we'll make certain players that are there can't score, guys that could shoot from halfway and all oh, that. Yeah. Can't yeah. Score. Yeah. Ah. Ah. So it'll be good fun. I'll see you uh, there. Hi, I'll, I'll definitely try and pop it <laughs> uh, So before the round up, um, have you got any questions for myself, Simon? What is the purpose of the, the, this? Because it's brilliant to talk about fitness because we take it for granted. So, That's something I meant to say to you is that when we're younger, your age, you take it for granted. 
So, but see, every time you walk around a block or go for a run or a game right. of golf, you're you're putting something in the bank, Scott. That's what I now believe. Yeah. Because I've got a wee core fitness. Anyone that knows me now would say, I'm very funny, big man, to look at me. But I know in myself that I've got a core fitness that yeah. I built when I was in my 20s and 30s and teenage years. Yeah. You know what I mean? By being active all the oh, time. Oh, definitely. So for myself, Simon, I came up with this idea a couple of weeks ago. I was up in Alloa with my partner. We were at a wee lodge and, you know, fresh air. And it, it hit me when I was out in, you know, out in the hills. Yeah. So um, I came up with the idea that I've been involved in fitness a, a long time. I've been involved with Glasgow Club since 2008. Been a right. lifeguard, you know. Um, but then I lost, so basically I lost a lot of weight. Um, given, you know, I get given a gym program by two guys at Glasgow Club, God Boost. Gave me a program, gave me a couple of classes. Within six weeks, I lost two stone. Wow. And then on the back of that, uh, a year or two later, I had it in my head that I wanted to help people again, you know, because I've been helped. Yes. So I became a gym instructor, put myself through my courses, and then I got the gym job. So, but now I'm at the stage where I've been involved in fitness, been involved in, you know, football coaching, refereeing as well. Yep. And I'm like... We need to have a different view, different angle. So that's why I've created this week's podcast because everybody's on a different pathway and yeah, everybody's, yeah. everybody's got a story because I'm thinking that we've got over 5 million people in Scotland, right? But I've, I've been speaking to people from all over the world so far. I've, I've sp- I spoke to... So that's better. I'm 24 out of 5 million. That, me- that sounds a lot better. <laughs> in Scotland. So if we went... If we, we said... In the world, we're talking over 7 billion people. So, so I'm 24 out of 7 billion. This is getting better all the time. <laughs> so it's a... But no, it's a, about reaching out to people, you know, different stories yeah. and different yeah. pathways. Um, and it was quite interesting because I spoke to a Swedish coach on Sunday, um, Andreas, and I was asking about the lockdown. And he says, oh, no, Sweden never had a lockdown. We just uh, had reduced numbers in the gyms. That was it. Right. So they everything was done totally different in Sweden. So, yeah. but no, this is just a uh, open new doors and then networking with everyone, because I think as well in the fitness industry, you see a lot of people who see each other as competition, whereas we could be business partners, yeah. learn from yeah. one another. Totally. Um, and that team thing so important as well. I mean, you see it online now with cyclists. They're cycling with other cyclists all across the world. You know yeah. what I mean? They're creating teams that are manufactured. What I did want to say to you there, I was thinking about was, you asked me a question and I never answered it, whether I use the gym or not. And I've, I've been a member of Glasgow Club since as long as I can remember. And like everyone else, I go through wee phases of going to the gym. Yeah, and and even setting we targets and you know all that they email me every Sunday and tell yes. me what I'm doing and all that stuff to try and motivate myself. But the problem for me has always been with swimming as well, and I'm quite a good swimmer, but yeah, boring, boring, Jim, boring on your own cycling, whatever. Yeah. Even the machines watching telly or whatever. It's it's not for me really. I've done it so many times. Yeah. But that's where team sport comes in or participating. I could play badminton and play for three hours. I'd die the next day, but it would seem like 10 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Or no. go for a round of golf. I don't right. even know I've been out walking. 
but I'd be knackered the next day no, because definitely. you're doing something, you're getting that's what the walking football is. It's for no, any age, any capacity, any any mobility level, uh, just to get moving. And you don't even know you're exercising because you're having fun. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but it's been great, Simon, having you on. Um, so before we finish, am I getting a wee invite along to play walk, walking football? You bet. You've got <laughs> all the sessions. In fact, it's my big pal Colin that runs the Scotston session three days a week. You get three sessions a week at Scotston. <laughs> the mornings. I Big Colin Drake runs it. I was over to see him last week for a blether. Big Colin. So you, you can play anytime with Colin and any of my sessions. You're more than, we get students, we get all sorts of age groups coming along. All right, okay. I'll come along and test it out. But I'll need, to, I'll need to test it out when my good pal Kenny's in playing. What's his second name? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, right, we'll do that. Yeah, I think he'll be back when he recovers. I, I think he said he's going to play on Thursday this week. Just don't overdo it. No, I know. <laughs> no, there's thanks. more rules. There's more rules than what I told you there, but it's very simple. It's three touch. Right. The ball can't go above crossbar height. Right. There's no headers. We don't okay. do headers. Yeah, yeah. And and it's supposed to be non-contact, but I'll let you judge what you think of that. Uh, well, I, I have had a wee peek out the window at Scotston, and I've, I've seen some challenges there. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, the goalkeeper's got his area that nobody can go in. And he yeah, yeah. And that's basically it. It's just football. No. It looks been... after itself. See, when you put a dozen guys on a pitch with a ball, it looks after itself pretty much. After exactly. Yeah. No, thank you, Simon. Thank you. You're doing a grand job, Scott. This is a great idea, and I hope it goes well. Thank so, you. Cheers. Because sport covers so much, doesn't it? Yeah. And I'd recommend Jim Purvis with the memories. Jim Purvis is the Scottish... Uh, he works for memories, uh, Sporting Memories Scotland. All right. Fascinating. Brilliant. I'll, I'll check him out. I'll send you the link. Thank you.